Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Yuitaki, and I want to welcome you to a special bonus episode from our special luncheon with Lee Cockrell. If you guys weren't able to be there, man, you guys missed out, but we have the next best thing for you today. We have the actual recording from that event. We're going to share it with you guys today as a bonus podcast. We're really excited about this because first, first of all, having Lee come to uh, to Tulsa, he's a native Oklahoman, and so it's it's nice to have him back in Oklahoma to share with some of the business leaders and, and just uh, everybody who was uh, willing to come. It was a fantastic event, and we just really appreciated all the support from the community coming out and uh, and supporting us, uh, supporting uh, the businesses that were sponsors, and and ultimately just just coming to learn. For those of you who don't know who Lee Cockrell is, Lee Cockrell is the former executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. As the senior operating executive for ten years, Lee led a team of forty thousand cast members and was responsible for the operations of twenty resort hotels four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, and the ESPN Sports and Recreation Complex, in addition to the ancillary operations, which supported the number one vacation destination in the world. When it comes to leadership, Lee is the guy. He has so much knowledge and expertise, and what I really kind of took away from a lot of the things that he spoke about today is he has so much strength when it comes to leadership because he's been through so much. Uh, he talks about different situations, uh, different scenarios that he went through with, with, with a calmness uh, to him, to the, to the extent that you believe that in those situations, he was not the guy that was freaking out. He was the guy who was calm, he was collected, and he knew what to do. And I think a lot of times as leaders, we need to be that that calm and collective leader. There's definitely times that we need to charge the hill and conquer ground, but at the same time, when, when crisis comes or when challenges comes or when you're trying to develop people, it takes that calm calculated leadership and Lee is definitely one of those guys. So guys, I'm excited to share this with you. Uh, Listen to it multiple times because there's so much information here as he kind of gets further and further to the different stories that he has uh, and the different analogies that he makes. There's just so much to take in. So I'm excited to share this with you. Let's turn it over to Lee and listen to his message to young businessmen. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good to be back in Oklahoma. For you who don't know, I was born in Bartlesville. Yeah. And I went to, I lived in Copan. Does anybody know where that is? It's barely there now, but it's there. And um, then I grew up in Ardmore. And uh, Oklahoma was great. And I learned a lot. And I learned how to work because when you live on a farm, you work. Now today, kids say, work? We didn't call it work. It's just the way it was. <laughs> you didn't have any choice. And so it's good to be back here. I went down to Bartlesville yesterday and visited a cousin I saw 60 years ago. He looked different. (laughs) He didn't recognize me. He was 16, and now he's 76. 
and saw a few other relatives, so it's always good to come back. And I'm going my way to my 55th high school reunion in Ardmore. And so everybody won't be there. <laughs> so I'm going to talk a little bit about take care of yourself. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, it's great. I get introduced all the time. Lee Cockrell ran Disney World, and he was responsible for all this stuff. Uh, you know, we do 52 million visitors a year. We have 7,000 managers in Orlando. Uh, it's a big city. It's a big operation. And... Uh, I tell people the truth, since uh, I retired, I didn't even know what was going on half the time, and I was in charge. And I think a lot of you know what that means, is you don't need to know everything, but you've got to have great people. And we heard it from Kevin, uh, you've got to have great people. That's the name of the game. It's probably the most important thing, without a doubt. And uh, so I ended up, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about me, I grew, grew up there in Copan on that farm. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. And, we always, my brother and I laughed today. We didn't know we were unhappy until we went to my grandmother's house who had indoor plumbing. And uh, then we found out this is a better deal. And we didn't know we were hot until we went to somebody's house that had air conditioning. It's funny what you get used to. And my mother was married five times. She was kind of busy. And, uh, yeah, she was. And uh, I was adopted twice by these different guys. And I got my name Cockerel when I was 16. I'm on my third name, and um, husband number four had money. She started making better choices. <laughs> First three guys were not good choices. And so I got to go to college, and I went to Oklahoma State. Yeah, only thing I forgot, I didn't go to class. <laughs> So I took accounting twice. I made an F the first time and a D the second time. And uh, then I dropped out after two years because I, I didn't do well. And I went in the Army. Served in the Army and then eventually I got out and went to Washington Hilton with another guy I met in the Army and went to w live in D.C. Got a job as a banquet waiter at uh, the Washington Hilton. Worked for Hilton eight years. Got in a management training program. And uh, the reason I got the management training program is probably because I lived in Oklahoma. I had a strong work ethic and I was organized. And those two things, I will tell you, if you've got a good attitude, uh, people give you a break until you learn the job. If you have a bad attitude, they don't do. So that was good, and I think everybody in Oklahoma knows if you don't have a good attitude, you've got to get knocked upside the head by your dad, you know, <laughs> like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And uh, I still say that because it's in there. It's in my brain. I can't get it out of there. And uh, so I started out and had a great career. I worked at Hilton eight years. I worked at Marriott later on for 17 years, became vice president of food and beverage operations for them. I was started in the food business. And I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to open the project in France. And we went to France and uh, lived there three years, got a French daughter-in-law out of it. My, my wife projected we would have a French daughter-in-law. I said, why? She said, your son's living in Paris and you fall in love where you live. <laughs> I don't know how women know these things, but three years later we had a wedding. And now I got three grandkids that are 22, uh, 19, and uh, 16, and uh, worked out pretty well. That's the kind of magic you get from Disney. Great daughter-in-law and three grandkids, and life is good. So when I get introduced like that and I say I didn't know what was going on, I tell you, the main thing I learned in my career is get the right people. And that's what we do at Disney. We do that better than anybody else. Even today, if you want to work at Disney, you have to go on the internet and answer 136 questions about yourself before you can even get an interview. And we want to know if you have high energy, do you have stamina, are you going to be positive, are you going to be able to show up for work, discipline on time. Uh, we want to know a lot about you before we turn you loose on our guests. 
And a lot of people don't get through that very well. And uh, the ones who do go over to the casting center and fill out an application, but before the application, when I was there, they changed it a little bit, you had to watch a film about Disney expectations. And I'll tell you, this is the first thing. If you want to have better company, and you want to have better results, and better customer satisfaction, and make more money, make sure you make a list of expectations. You're going to talk to everybody who you hire about, so make sure they really want to work for you. And so the film starts out, it talks about uh, hospitality, it talks about uh, grooming guidelines, it talks about uh, personal appearance, no visible tattoos, no visible piercing, no purple hair, Cinderella can't have a tattoo on her neck, Mickey can't smoke while he talks to your kids, <laughs> Goofy cannot text, our cast members are not allowed to take their phones on stage. They leave them backstage. We don't want anybody to want to go online. They need to be paying attention to the guests when they're on stage. So we have a lot of policies to make sure that things don't happen. And uh, when you uh, are in the business of creating magic, you've got to really pay attention to a lot of things because you set very high expectations for the customers that are coming. And we're not bashful about charging for it, as you probably know. So uh, that's one thing we do well. Uh, after that film is over, and again, clarity of expectations. And you've got to ask yourself, how clear are you with your expectations for the people you do business with, the people you work for you, uh, in your personal life? Because if somebody told me to give you the definition of con communication, I would say that word is clarity. Be clear. Don't leave in misunderstandings. Be clear with your kids. Be clear with the people you work with. Be clear with your customers. So there's no misunderstandings. And how often are there misunderstandings in business? I didn't know, you didn't say that, I didn't mean that. So clarity is one thing we do real well at Disney. And uh, about 20 to 25% of the people get up and leave after that. They decide they don't want to work for Disney. That's what clarity does. One guy said to me, I don't want to work here, this is like the army. I said, that's right, we got the best army in the world and that's why. Discipline, clarity, and of course, the army is not really interested in your opinion. <laughs> you just better get up on time. You don't lay in bed. They don't really like that too much. So that, that's the first thing we do well. And it's the most important thing you do. There's nothing more important than who you bring into your organization. Nothing. And you may have people in your organization that shouldn't be there. And you're not dealing with it. And that's going to take you down. And be careful. Don't hire your relatives because <laughs> they're hard to get rid of. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Because if they don't perform, what are you going to do? Be, be careful. Uh, you can get yourself in a mess. You might have to promote them to vice president and, <laughs> and give them more to do. So that's where we stand on that. We do well. We hire people. We make very few errors. We don't try to hire people and make them nice. We hire nice people. We hire competent people. We hire people who care. You cannot make people nice if they're not. I mean, it's just not your business, that's not the business you're in. Second place I spent my time is training. The second place that's important in your business is training. Training, training, training. And we train better than anybody. That's why when you go there, everybody knows what they're doing. They have the knowledge. They know how to do their job. Uh, training. And not only that, training, testing after the training, and enforcement of the training. The number one thing that drops down in most companies, people don't enforce their own rules and regulations, policies, and procedures. Shame on you. I will tell you right now, don't have a policy, don't have a rule, don't have a regulation unless you're going to enforce it. You're sending the wrong message. You're going to get accused of favoritism and all kinds of things. And our managers are not bashful. 
We train you, we test you to make sure you know what you're doing before we turn you loose on the guests. It can be a written test, it can be a verbal test, it can be an observing performance before we let them loose. There's many ways to do it. But uh, you've got to go back and think, are you training your people as well as you could and should? Are you testing them to make sure they learned and paid attention? You always pay more attention when the boss says, I'm going to test you on this. And are you enforcing it? Are you being clear about this is because you want consistency and that's how you get consistency it's clarity of policies and procedures and operating with this is the way we do it so think about that whether you're doing that or not and whether you could do it better and uh, I would say the chances you're running into a rude cast member at Disney is zero it might happen if it does we take them to a certain place where we rework them Sometimes we send them down to that other place down across town. But uh, slowly, we do not put up with nonsense. This is what we're in the business to do. And uh, if you're in Broadway, you have a role in the show, and you're to perform that role. You have a spiel. You have a uh, script. There's things you can say and can't say, shouldn't say, and we make sure they know what those are. And we put on the same show every day. The big red curtain opens every day, and we want to make sure we got the right actors, the right players, the right directors, the managers. Managers have a role in the show, and that's to be respectful of their people and pay attention to them and give them guidance and give them coaching and to train them and to develop them to make them better. And uh, none of our managers are going to intimidate people or yell and scream at them or raise their voice or any of that kind of stuff. We want a career, we want a culture and environment where people feel. And that's the third place I spent my time after training, third. I tried to be a good role model. I go around writing these books on leadership management, then, I, you know, you got to behave. <laughs> that's not easy for me. I mean, I had the potential not to behave and to be sarcastic. And my wife's worked on me over the years. Uh, she's trying to teach me now how to apologize more sincerely. <laughs> Serious. To her. <laughs> and I'm not... I'm doing better, but not great, and because uh, I'm very defensive. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I'm very insecure, and I'm slowly getting over it. But uh, it—I uh, don't like people telling me I'm not great. So that's—you uh, <laughs> know what I mean? You ever work with defensive people? It's not their fault. It's my mother's fault. <laughs> that's what I tell my wife. It's not my fault. I said, uh, you know. We're going to be just as mature as women someday. She said, yeah, maybe in a billion years. But uh, So that's how I think about creating the right environment and culture. I want to have a culture and environment at Disney World where all those people wake up in the morning and want to come to work, not have to come. Does anybody know the difference in those two jobs you've had in your lives? Where you wanted to come, you're proud of where you work, you're respected, you're included, your opinion counts, people pay attention to you. You have the opportunity to move up, you get training, you get development. You're respected, no matter who you are. And the other thing we're trying to do is create a culture and an environment where everybody matters and they know they matter. How important is that? How important is it for people to know they matter? We know that's the number one thing everybody wants in the world is to know they matter. We know it with children. We tell them we love them, we hug them, we bond with them, and we, we are totally committed to their development. We'll go all the way for our kids, but we sometimes forget everybody needs that. A lot of people are insecure in this world. I mean, I hope not, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, insecurity. And uh, so 
we think about how to do that. And our managers think about that a lot. Uh, we think about getting involved with whatever issues cast members have and turning around. A lot of them come to work. They, we have to kind of start over teaching them responsibility and how to do things and how to carry on a conversation with the guests. A lot of them come from dysfunctional homes and living on the edge and don't believe in themselves. They don't understand what they can achieve in life. And we, uh, if you get in the right culture and in the right environment, you get better. If you get in the wrong culture and the wrong environment, you get worse. That's the way life works. And I, uh, we think about that a lot, making the culture so good that people don't think about leaving. We have very low turnover. Hardly anybody leaves. And uh, we don't have to retrain people again and spend all that money after they've learned how to do their jobs. So think about those three as really probably your primary responsibility, no matter what else you do in your business. Hire the right people. Train them, train them, train them, test them, enforce the training, and create the right culture and the right environment. And one guy said it to me recently. He said, train them right, or hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. If you can remember that, you'll have a great company. Because really, at the end of the day, there's nothing new. Hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. So think about that. So then we have four competencies we work on at Disney World. First competency is technical competence. You've got to know what you're doing, technically. If you're in insurance business, you've got to know the insurance business upside down, all the regulations, all the changes. You've got to keep up with it. If you're a lawyer, you've got to keep up with it. Whatever business you're in, technically, you've got to be good at it. It'll be the easiest thing you do in your career because you like it, probably, you do it, you get experience, you're better at it next year than you were this year because of the experience. You go to seminars, you go to workshops, you may go back and get your undergraduate degree, you may go get your master's, you may take courses, you may take online courses. But technical competence is really pretty easy. Most people don't lose their job because of technical competence. They lose it because of behavior and the way they treat people and the way they speak to people and the inappropriate comments, inappropriate jokes. And, you read it. It's in the paper every day. People are getting in trouble saying the dumbest things. I mean, you got to go like, what? Are you, in this day and age, you said that to her? Are you out of your mind? But that's what takes people down. Lack of judgment. Saying things are inappropriate, inappropriate behavior. And uh, so technical competence, you can work on that. It's your responsibility. It's not your boss. Your boss may pay for it. He may take you through training. He may give you training. But... Make sure you own it. Sometimes if times are tough, the boss can't pay, you make sure because that's your road to uh, a better life, knowledge. And today I can tell you nobody in this room has any excuse for not filling in any knowledge gap you have. You got with the internet and everything that's available now and online courses that are free and if you don't know the definition of word and, and 10 seconds later you still don't know, that's your fault. If somebody says something to you, you don't know what they're talking about, if tomorrow you still don't know, that's your fault. Because there's anything you want to learn, you can learn. So don't ever go around saying, you know, you, I would say you also might want to read the paper, find out what's going on in the world, and keep up so you're current. But let me tell you, this is a big deal. You own it. Don't be counting on somebody else. In fact, I tell people, count on yourself mostly in life. Second competency is management having a system in place where you manage and keep things under control. And it's not about time management so much as it's about how do you keep your whole life under control. 
your business, your family, your health, your finances. This is the biggest problem people have today. It's too much coming at them. I mean, it's one thing after another. You know, you got to get to the soccer game and your boss wants something by Friday and the client called you up. You're leaving the office and he wants it in the morning and your mother-in-law's flying in on Sunday and she's not staying too long. <laughs> but everything's coming at us. More and more and more. Then we got to learn new technology. We got to get a new phone because the phone quits working. The battery goes down. Then we're paralyzed. Do you ever lose your phone? How do you feel? I tell people it's worse than losing your kids at Walmart. <laughs> you know that feeling you have when you don't know where they are? And then you feel bad because you wanted to find your phone first and then go look for them? <laughs> it's true. Management. People are disorganized. They don't have, they don't know, because we don't teach it in high school and we don't teach it in college. And I'm working with schools right now. I just did a program for 100 school districts down in Texas talking about this, teaching kids how to get organized and disciplined and plan what they're supposed to be focused on in 10th, 11th grade into college because it doesn't matter how much you know if you can't get it done, even in accounting. If you don't get the taxes done on time and you miss the deadlines for the client, they're not gonna come back and use you again next year. And this is the biggest problem people have, not keeping their promises, not doing what they say they're gonna do, not being reliable, not being credible. And this is a big problem, and you know, there's people in your life, and you may be one of those people. And it's never too late to get organized and disciplined. Then we all have these. Anybody got one of these? This is my Samsung Galaxy 8S, my best friend. We go everywhere together. I hold hands with it more than I do my wife, and she points that out. Even she won't let me take it to a restaurant when we go to dinner together, but I take it anyway, and I tell her I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> she thought I had a medical problem for a while. I was leaving like every, every 15 minutes, I gotta go again, baby. And that's just like, she puts up with it, though. Management. So the phone's great for everything, except one thing it's not very good for is everybody tried to use technology to keep organized. The tasks, the app, those apps that are supposed to use to what you're going to work on today, this week, this month, this year. And I always ask everybody, is anybody old enough to remember paper? This is called a planner. I know some of you have never seen it. It's paper and... I mean, and these two together are powerful. Let me tell you what. I wrote this book on time management. A lot of people are going back to paper. And a lot of people during the hurricane found out why. <laughs> when their phone goes down and they, can't know, they don't know where they're supposed to go next. And the battery goes down and they lose their phone. Now they don't know where to go Monday. I'm telling you, this is the thing that has really made me more successful. I've been carrying this in my pocket for 35 years. And I'm not going to give you time out today, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you two or three things you can do if you want to get more control in your life. Number one, get yourself a planner, open it up, and think about yesterday if you want to put something in here. Think about yesterday, what you didn't do as well as you should have. That client you need to call back this morning because on the way home you thought about two more things you should have said to them. Or whatever, you want to meet, say something to your children about something, and on the way home you thought about it, and then write it in there. Fix yesterday every day. It's called reflection. When you reflect, you do it better the next time. Most people don't even think about yesterday. They don't go back and patch it up with people. They don't go back and fix it. Go back and apologize. Go back and whatever you're going to do. Half the time you can do it before the client even knows. 
Is anybody ever driving home thinking about things you didn't do as well as you should have today? We all do. Anybody wake up in the middle of the night worried about something you forgot about? I woke up at 3 in the morning one time. Priscilla said, Lee, what are you thinking about, darling? I said, you. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> she allows some lying in our life. I was thinking about Disney. That's all I was thinking about, all my problems. Because when you're professionals, it's a curse. You think about your business on the way home, you think about it on the way back, you think about it when you wake up in the morning. Professionals don't have a time off. It just is a part of you. So get yourself organized. The second thing you do every day is think about the responsibilities each one of you signed up for in your life. Everybody in this room's got a different list and it will change through your whole life. Anybody married, got a partner in here? I would say that if you think about that person every morning, just a little thing. Whatever you want, a reservation, tell her you're going to take her to dinner before she asks you if we're ever going out again, uh, a card, a note, a uh, follow-up of something we, you both have discussed, whatever it is. Second thing, kids. How many people have kids? Every day, think about your kids. What do I need to do today, this week, this month? For, do I need to get them signed up for camp next June? Do I need to get that college fund open now instead of keep putting it off so it won't be there? Because, you know, it'll be Christmas again before you know it. So everybody always surprised when that just keeps rolling around. And we go, oh, it's almost Christmas again. Yeah, it is. And it'll be Christmas again. And then you'll be 65 and wonder what happened. So what do you need to do for your kids? Take them for their physicals, get their inoculations, go up and see their teachers a couple times a year to make sure that their stories jive and that they're on the right track and you make your presence known because when you make your presence known, your kids get more attention. They do. And if you're on a four-day school week, you better make sure they're getting a lot of attention. Or start homeschooling. So there's a lot of things we need to do for our kids. Talk to them about the birds and the bees. You want to keep your life under control? Don't miss that one. <laughs> Let me tell you. And you need to do it by the time they're eight or nine years old. And some of you have already missed it. Seriously. This is serious stuff. Management's the act of controlling. Management's keeping things under control, including your children, your business, your finance, your relationships, and you've got to remember to do it. A lot of people have good intentions, but they don't follow up. They don't do it when they're supposed to do it. What other responsibility? Anybody got aging parents, grandparents you're going to have to deal with? Have that conversation now. Sit down. Do we want to do it? No, it's hard, but you've got to do it. Get it before dementia sets in, get on the wills, get it all set up, have a good family conversation. We've done it with our family. Everybody knows because we're pretty sure we're going to die. It's not like a surprise. It's not like Christmas. We know when Christmas is coming. I know because you die when you least expect it, you know. <laughs> it's like that. You're gone. <laughs> it's like a tornado. You only got 20 seconds. You, know? you better have a plan. Don't try to have a meeting and decide which room you're going to. It'll be too late. Plan these things and do these. What other? Your retirement. Do you know how much you got to do? What you got to do over the next few months or years? How much you get an expert to help you? There's probably in this room. Don't try to run it yourself on the internet. You'll make a mistake and you'll be working till you're 98 because you screwed up. And think of uh, there's many things. Your health. How many people think your health is your responsibility? Yeah. yeah. Are you committed to your health? 
I guarantee you one thing, this will be the biggest regret you have in your life when you lose your health at 50, 55, 60, 62, when you could have done something about it with diabetes, heart problems, whatever they are. When I was at Disney, my priorities were hiring the right people, training, and working on the culture every day. Since I've retired, my wife gave me a new list. She said, Lee, your first priority is take care of yourself so you can take care of us. She may have an ulterior motive here, I'm not sure, but <laughs> so I'll, I'll buy that. So she said, take care of yourself, then you can take care of your family, and number three, you can take care of your business, and uh, if you have any time left over, then you can help Kim Kardashian with her problems. <laughs> and you gotta ask yourself, how much time are you wasting in your life? How much time? Everybody in this room wastes so much time. You need to ask yourself where you spend your time, where you shouldn't spend it, where you ought to be spending it. Why aren't you spending it in a place? Why are you spending it with those kind of people? Why do you keep doing the same thing over? Number one, the number one reason is because you're not doing the hard things. Everybody in this room has got one or two hard things you've been putting off for years. And you know what they are. And it could be a relationship. It could be your health. It could be your finances. It could be, I don't know what it is. But you know what it is. And I would tell you, if you want to really be effective, you've got to start doing hard things. Because when you do hard things, life gets easier. If you keep doing the easy way, lay on the couch, don't exercise. Go back for seconds. It's easier than not pushing back from the table. Spending your money instead of saving it, it's easier. All these easy things, they take you down the road. When you do easy things, life gets harder. And it'll bite you as you get older, it's harder and harder and harder. And I'm gonna tell you, this planner is a good thing to put in there. And if you got one or two hard things next week, you ought to put it there and you ought to work on it for the next month until you make it go away. And you know how you're gonna feel when you're done it? You're gonna feel great. When you're gonna feel when you have to do it, you're gonna hate it. It's like me exercising. I hate it. I hate my trainer. I mean, really, the guy is a real jerk. Because I do strength training twice a week. And he makes me do that last move. So my brain says, we're done. He says, no, we're not. Because my brain lies. He said, you can do one more. That last one's the one that makes you strong. And I've been working out with him eight years. Why do I do strength training? Why would I do that? Why would you put that in your calendar? For bone density. For ladies, by the way, osteoporosis. Bone density. I don't want to fall and break a hip. You think that's a problem when you break your hip? Let me tell you, that's the beginning of the end. You never come back. You never be as strong again. Do the things now that pay off later. You do strength training, it pays off later. You don't smoke, it pays off later. You spend time with your kids doing the right things early on, it pays off later. My wife and I named it prehab so we don't have to go to rehab. <laughs> you ever see people in rehab? Like for nine weeks, 12 weeks, and your bones are never strong again. Next thing there's another fall. Why don't people do this? Because it's hard. It's hard, but it's harder going to rehab. It's harder falling and breaking a hip. And you see people all the time not taking care of their health. And the other reason I do it, I'm in the ozone. Anybody know what the ozone is? The obituary zone. <laughs> I'm 73, I could go over any second. I see that's about the average age for men going out. And I'm trying to hang around a little longer. I only have one big, one big performance left. 
I'm not going there yet. I want to go to my granddaughter's wedding. I want to meet them. I want to spend time with them. You got to take care of yourself. It'll slip on you. And it's never too late to get healthier. It's never too late to get better. It's never too late to improve a relationship. And a lot of people, most of the people doing strength training today are older people. And they're getting people standing up out of wheelchairs after doing it for six months. Strengthening. Think about it. I guarantee you. And after 50, strength training is more important than aerobics by far. By far. And when you feel strong, what do you think it does to your personality and how you behave and your attitude? It's amazing when you feel good and you feel strong. So you have many things you should be putting in your planner to get done. You can figure out what they are. I don't know what they are in your family. They will be changing. If you don't have kids, you don't have to worry about that. If you don't have a wife or husband, you don't have to worry about that. But you are going to retire someday. You are going to need to take care of your health. You are going to need to take care of your parents or grandparents. You, there's plenty of things you need to be working on. And most people do not find the time in their planner for the things that they think are important because they haven't thought about what's important. And it'll slip up on you. Just like that. Everybody thinks, oh, I got time, all the young people. I got time. Let me tell you, I married a 22-year-old. She's on Medicare now. <laughs> Seriously. I got a 48-year-old son. Where'd he come from? <laughs> I got a 22-year-old grandson graduating from college. 19-year-old, second year in college. 16-year-old trying to figure out how not to go to college. <laughs> I think he'll be a soldier or something. I'm not sure. He's an adventurer. But how does it happen? It just flies by. Somebody asked me once, Lee, why did you retire at 62? I said, well, the main reason is I could. That's by making sure I did all those things over the years. And like right now, I'm driving a 12-year-old car. My wife hates it. She won't let me park it in the driveway in front of the house. I'm not getting a new car. Well, what? This thing works great. That's how you get enough money to retire. Put your money where you need to put it, not where you're showing off your car or whatever is going on. And make sure you're set for later on when you're going to really need it. So management. But you know what I'm talking about. Get your act together. Get your life under control. Everybody in this room has got 10 problems we don't know about. You need to resolve them. You need to push them away. You need to do whatever you got to do. And quit putting up with having an ordinary life. Don't, you know, somebody said, if you're not careful, you'll become ordinary. <laughs> you, you want an ordinary company? You want an average company? You want a good company or you want a great company? You want a great surgeon or you want a good one? The good one kills you. <laughs> the great one you want to have good children or great children you want to have a good education or a great education you want to have good marriage or a great marriage it's harder but it's more fulfilling and you got to quit under, underestimating your ability to do these things because you can do them quit I didn't believe it myself when I started out because I had grown up or young I didn't believe I was, could do anything and slowly I saw that hey maybe I can you can do it. Third one is technological competence. Keep up with technology, personally and in business. Make sure your competitors are not getting a piece that's going to get customers from them, for them, from your customer base. Technology is going to be the answer to many things. When you think about it, you know, what's going to disrupt your business in the next few years? What's going to disrupt your business? I was talking to a guy recently, and we were talking about driverless cars. How, is that, how many businesses is that going to dis, uh, disrupt? He had an interesting one. He said, well, first of all, there'll be less accidents. So there'll be less organs for transplants. 
needing less surgeons, needing less supplies, less, less operating rooms, less, and just keeps on going down. Insurance companies, how are they going to handle this? Less accidents. So how quickly can some technology disrupt your business? You better be thinking about it. Because it can now happen in a few weeks or a few months when something new comes out and a way to do it. So be all over that thinking ahead. You know, we got reflection in the past. We think about the things we didn't do as well. The other side is to, to look forward, to think about what could happen if I don't do certain things. What can happen if I don't do certain things? And last is leadership competence. How are you going to be that person in life here in Oklahoma that people like to work with, they trust you, you've got a good reputation, they, they, they know you'll do the right thing in your business and in your personal life, you're an honorable person. How are you going to be that person? Thinking about your own behaviors. How do you get along with people? Are you flexible? Are you available? Do you help people? The difference between leadership and management is pretty big. You know, management is simply getting things done. You get them in here, you check them off, you keep things under control, you manage them, you manage your payroll, you manage safety, you manage cleanliness, friendliness, whatever in your business. That's management. Leadership's about how to be, how to be there for your people, how to be a person who can make hard decisions, how to be a person who can have hard discussions, how to be a person who is, has high integrity, honest, all the things that we're missing in this country in a lot of ways. And what you find out is people are doing a lot, but they're not being a lot. Do you think we could all be better probably, the way we behave and treat each other and follow up? And, and then we got Congress. They don't do or be. They got 11% approval rating. How would you like to have an 11% approval rating for you personally? Why? Because they don't do the right things. They, as Kevin said, they worry more about getting reelected than taking care of doing the right things. And uh, a lot of stuff is total nonsense. And American public's lost faith in them. And you don't want people losing faith in you or your business. So don't worry about Congress. Worry about yourself. <laughs> worry about your reputation. And you can vote for Kevin and give him a chance here to straighten this thing out. <laughs> And that would be good, because we all need better leadership at every point. At Disney World, we said the customer does not come first. Leadership comes first. Unless you have great leaders in your organization, they will not create the right environment for the employees to do a great job for the customer because they want to instead of have to, and you make better financial results out the other end. It always starts with better leadership. You can't have nutcases being the managers and leaders that really aggravate the employees, then they're not going to take care of the customer. It's the other way around. Leadership comes first, and you've got to look around. Do you have the right leaders in place? The right, uh... It's the same with parents. Great parents produce great kids. If I could interview the parents first, I'd know if, whether to hire the kids or not. They're a car room copy, usually. So think about those four. They all fit together. You've got to be technically competent. You can't escape that one. One of the problems today is being a good manager, doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, getting it done on time, attention to detail. Third is technology. You've got to know technology. You become irrelevant if you can't handle it. If you're not a good leader, nobody's going to give you 
their heart and soul to do a good job for you. Do a good job when you're not around watching them. It's just the way it is, those four. And you've got to think about it. This time next year, are you going to have gotten better in any of those? Technically, maybe, probably. Are you going to be a better manager a few weeks from now because you're going to re go out and rethink this thing? Why am I not getting this done? Start thinking about where you spend your time, where you should stop spending your time. Everybody in this room can save a guarantee. I don't know how many hours. Everybody is, most people are not overworked. They're underorganized. This is, they, they don't have the right people. They're not delegating properly. They don't trust people. They try to do everything themselves. Then they're never home. Then their marriage goes down the drain. And then their health goes down the drain. It's all connected. It's all connected. And just think about the role modeling in front of your employees, in front of your children, how you're behaving in front of them, how you, you and your husband arguing, or you speaking to the phone with somebody and your kid's listening, and then you hang up and you say some other nasty things about that person, and they hear that, and it goes on and on. Don't underestimate the power of role modeling. It's everything. You think your kids are not asleep? They're not asleep. They're never asleep. <laughs> Seriously. We say, oh, they're asleep. Let's talk about that. No, they're not asleep. They probably already bugged your bedroom. I'd look for, they are listening to everything you and your husband say. They know. They're very perceptive. They know what's going on. So be careful around them. Be gentle with them. Kids are fragile. Every child, every baby's born, it's just fine until we screw them up. Seriously. There's no racist babies born. There's no bigotry when they're born. There's no, they're fine around the world, all of them, until we get our hands on them. Start telling them, this is what you need. Next thing, we got another problem. So think about your impact on not only your children, but on the people around you when you come. You got two choices when you get to work in the morning. You can make the culture better or you can make it worse. It's up to you when you walk in. Take a deep breath and go in there and make it better by, with your great attitude and helping people and raising your hand and taking on responsibility. When you get home at night, you ever go home at night after you've had a rough day at work and create a storm in your house that wasn't there before you got there? Huh? My son told me when he was 14, he said, Dad, you ought to sit in the hot tub for 15 minutes before you talk to us. Everything was fine until you got here. <laughs> Nothing was wrong until you walked in the door. It's right. Because now, my wife told me recently, she, Priscilla said, Lee, you're not aggravating me anymore. Why? I said, because I'm retired and I decided not to. She said, why are you always hemming that, humming that song, Let It Go? I said, you don't want to know why I'm humming that song. Let it go. Let it go. Don't take it personally. And uh, we're getting along just fine. August 3rd next year, we'll be married 50 years, I told you that. And uh, my mother was married five times, and I'm trying to get the family average down. And uh, <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good job. My son's been married 25 years because we broke it. We broke that pattern. You know, I grew up here in Oklahoma. I, there was a lot of marriages here. There was a lot of bigotry. There was a lot of racism, as there is in many parts of the country. I heard a lot of negative things in my family, in my house. I went to a segregated high school, a grade school. When I went in the Army, there were still white and colored fountains at the bus station. I'll never forget that, 1964, when I went in the Army. My wife and I had a uh, discussion before our son was born. We said, we're going to make sure he never hears any of these things in our house. And guess what I ended up with? 
I got a son that doesn't have a discriminatory bone in his body. And then he married a French lady and I had to quit telling French jokes. <laughs> Seriously, I know a lot of good ones too. She didn't think they were funny. And you got to remember this, unless everybody thinks it's funny, it's not funny. If you know a good joke, go in your closet, tell it to yourself, come out and laugh and that's it. Don't have any witnesses. I'm not saying you can't tell them, but tell them to yourself, not to other people. And they learn. And now I got three grandkids. They don't care if you're gay. They don't care if you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim. All they care is who are you? Are you somebody that is a good person? We can trust you. Their friends are from everywhere around the world. It's an amazing thing to see this younger generation start to understand that uh, everybody matters. And I've been around the world. I've been to 42 countries. People are all great. The governments are all a mess and the people are all great. I just came back from Russia. I don't know what in your mind is about Russia. People were fabulous. Putin, I don't think he'd probably want to meet me. He hasn't read my book on leadership. <laughs> but the people were terrific. We went to Czech Republic. The people were terrific. We're in Hong Kong. The people were terrific. And it's everywhere I've been in the world. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And we've got to learn to let it go. And we've got to learn to uh, get our own knowledge level up so that we're not so bigoted and not so racist because uh, it's a problem. And you can't change America, I guarantee you. It'll take another 5,000 years. But you can certainly do it in your family. You can stop it, whatever the problem is in your family, whether it's alcohol, drugs, marriages, uh, bigotry, racism. And you can stop it in your company. You can make sure that we respect everybody. As I say at Disney, Mickey Mouse likes all currency. <laughs> we like pesos, rubles, euros, dollars, we like all religions. We like everybody. We like Republicans. We like Democrats. We like independents. You're in business. And all that other stuff's none of your business anyway. Just focus on your performance of your people and taking care of your customer. That other stuff's nonsense. It's none of your business, none of my business. People do what they want. But you got to think about that. Do you have that kind of place in your company where anybody would feel comfortable working there and understood that they matter and they're important? And, and when you start to do that, life gets better for your company and for you personally. Experience and exposure. Those are the two big things young people need. Experience and exposure. Exposure to other people. Exposure to other cultures. Exposure to other religions. Exposure. It's a big deal. and It changes who you are. So those are some of the things, and um, so the guest expectations, then we had the employee expectations next, make me feel special. If I'm doing a good job for you, make sure, Mr. Boss, you tell me occasionally that I'm good and I'm doing a great job and you appreciate me. We all want that. Number two, treat me as an individual when I got a daycare problem or my husband's in the hospital or I need to go off Wednesday morning, I need to leave a couple hours early because I got a problem. This is how you get people committed, you take care of them. If you haven't had a tragedy yet in your family, don't worry, it's coming. And you hopefully you have an organization and a family and friends to help you get through it. Three, respect everybody. Doesn't matter where they're from, what color they are, what background, whatever they are, just respect you. Respect people, show respect, same as you want. And last, employees want to be trained and they want to be developed. 
And those are two different things. We get confused. Training is when I, you learn to do something. We get in a room, 50 people. Development is when I have to sit down and have a long talk with you about your attitude, coming to work late, the way you speak to people, inappropriate jokes, inappropriate making people feel uncomfortable. Make sure. A lot of people are getting trained in America and not many are getting developed. You're not, they're not getting talked to about these things that create a problem in the environment and the culture that makes people not want to be as good as they could be. So make sure you control that in your business, in your family. Talk about it. So then we did some research uh, at Disney also, which is just what I talked about, making people feel special, treating them as... You can do that in every one of your businesses. You all know how to do that. The people who learn how to do that are going to do more business. Because what do we all want? Somebody asked me why I do public speaking. I said, because when I play golf, nobody applauds. <laughs> Somebody asked, well, why do you do it? I said, I want to be loved. <laughs> I want to be appreciated. I want to do something. We all have that deep down desire to matter more. And we've got to figure out how to help other people know they matter so we can build them up. So there's a lot of ways to think about this. I'll tell you one real quick story, then I'll go sit down so you can do whatever you're doing next. Leadership shows up when you least expect it. Everybody in this room has the capability to be a good leader. You go home today, you're having an accident out on the highway or a flat tire, how many cars are going to drive by before somebody stops and helps you? The leader always stops. They stay, they help you. Most people don't because leadership's thin. Or you have a son you've raised to be respectful and to respect everybody so when somebody kid moves into the neighborhood, your son stops other kids from bullying him. 12-year-old leader does the right thing, does the hard thing. And I'm with this story goes, my wife was, has diverticulitis and she was very sick a few years ago and she came to me on a Sunday, said, take me to the hospital. My stomach's hurting. We got to the hospital within 10 minutes. She couldn't even sit in a chair. She was laying on the floor. I said, I should have taken an ambulance. Because, but when you lay on the floor in the emergency room, they do take you in pretty quick, by the way. <laughs> Seriously. They first try to get you not to lay on the floor, but that, it works pretty good. So... Took her in, found two abscesses on her colon, put her in the hospital for two weeks, pumped her full of powerful antibiotics, took her home, another month of antibiotics at home, and she's fine. Life's good again, she's back to normal. Go to the doctor, he says, you gotta have your sigmoid colon resectioned right here, we'll do it laparoscopically, resection a section. And uh, that was scheduled for August 6th, that surgery. Does any of you have a date in your family that you remember? It's not a national holiday, it's your own personal date. Well, August 6th is mine. The only other date I always tell people that emotionally has affected my life is November 16, 1957. That's the day Notre Dame beat Oklahoma in Norman. <laughs> we were, had a 47-game winning streak. Hadn't lost in four and a half years. I was nine years old the last time they lost. I remember today the kid running down. We were playing football outside. He, Oklahoma got beat today. I, I couldn't believe it because I didn't even know they could be beat. Sports Illustrated had already been printed and the cover said on Monday morning, Oklahoma cannot be beat. It was very emotional. But to get back to August 6th, we went in, had the surgery. It was three and a half hours. Put her in the hospital for five days. I took her home on the 11th. By the morning of the 13th, she was really in all kinds of pain called the hospital. Here's a time management story. I, ca I called the doctor. He said, take her back to the hospital. He said, Lee, you can take her right now or you can take her later this afternoon. If I had taken her later this afternoon, she wouldn't be here. 
I mean, that's how you got to move on things. Do it now. I should have called an ambulance again because we went and registered. Now we got in the hospital. There's no rooms available. So we're put on a gurney in the hallway outside the emergency room. First leader shows up, doctor going on break. I stop him, we talk. I said, she needs an IV in her. Nobody's taking care of us. She needs a painkiller. She's really hurting a lot. He said, I'm not supposed to do that. I know you're not supposed to because it's a legal issue because we're not in the emergency room. And uh, we talked a little bit longer. He said, I'll never forget. He said, okay, I'll do it. You know, sometimes you gotta make tough decisions. A couple hours later, we got a room. Priscilla's asleep, bottle signs are perfect. Doctor says, Lee, our bottles are good. She's sleeping, why don't you go home? We'll do a CAT scan, see what's going on. It couldn't be that bad. He went home too, after he did the CAT scan, but he kept doing his job. He looked up her CAT scan before he went to bed and saw her bowel was leaking into her organs. She had peritonitis. She woke up seven days later after the emergency surgery with a colostomy bag, a wound vac, had to wear for five months took her home, she stayed in the hospital 21 days, two blood transfusion, high blood pressure floor, I mean, we did it. She finally said, Lee, take me home, they're gonna kill me in here. I took her home, 10 days later, we're back now, now she's got fluid around both lungs, so now she's got two drains, colostomy bag, wound vac, things just kept getting worse. And we stayed, and I had to nurse her back to health over about 15 months, and uh, it was tough. She was really bad, half her hair was falling out from all the anesthesia, from the different operations, she was very emotional. And I told her, I said, Priscilla, that colostomy bag, that proves I love you. <laughs> I didn't even know what a colostomy bag was. I didn't ever heard of them. There it was. So I got uh, very involved in that. And so we went on. I had to get her back to hell. I had to get her up to walk every day because she didn't want to. She needed to get stronger. So I told her she had to get up at 7 in the morning, at noon, and at 12, she had to walk through the house 20 laps with her walker to start building strength. She didn't want to. So she'd start walking. She said, well, I've done 20. I'm done. She'd done like two. So I said, okay, fine. You want to be that way? I'm putting a new system in. I'm putting a toll booth here in the hallway. I gave her 20 playing cards. I said, each time you go by here, the toll's one card. When I get 20, you can go back to bed. I won't tell you what she said. A lot of pastors in here. <laughs> I didn't even know she knew those words. It was unbelievable. I had to get five protein drinks down her a day. She hated them. She didn't want to drink them. I made her drink them. So we went on and we fought through this thing. And uh, we got into the spring and she was okay. She's back to health good, feeling good, except she's got a colostomy bag. And that's a big surgery. Take that baby down. We're terrified to go back to surgery. We met Paul Williamson. This guy's a colorectal surgeon. He's like a god in our life now. Our file was this thick. We'd been in the hospital 64 days. The bill was $700,000. I had Disney insurance. They wish I'd retired earlier. But uh, <laughs> they took good care of me. And uh, first time we met him, we'd never met him before. He walked in after he took three weeks to look through that file to see what was going on. He walked in, he looked at Priscilla, and he said, Priscilla, you're going to be just fine. You're the kind of patient I love to fix. And every one of my patients is a gift from God. And before I do surgery, I go down to the chapel and I get extra help. And I'm going to open you, do the surgery, and close you. Nobody else is going to touch you. How do you think she felt at that moment? That's why you got to be confident. You got to know your stuff. When you talk to people, they know they got to buy the insurance from you, or they've got to do this because you know. I mean, you know when people know what they're doing and when they don't quite know what they're doing, they don't have product knowledge. 
So we scheduled that surgery. It was supposed to be four and a half hours. It turned out to be nine and a half hours. He came out. He's a good friend now. I said, Paul, what took you so long? I'm sure I shouldn't have said that because I, I don't know what he was doing in there. I didn't even know you had a sigmoid colon. <laughs> I never heard of such a thing. He said, Lee, what I did, I, told, I did exactly what I told you I was going to do. I fixed her. And I gave her a free tummy tuck. I hope she likes it. <laughs> he said, you get nothing free at Disney. <laughs> and uh, I said, touche. So we got through it. When it was all over, uh, Priscilla got better. He kept her in the hospital 10 days. She got to be fine. Everything went away. And uh, it was a lot of pressure. I've been under a lot of pressure in my life. I opened Euro Disney. We were losing a million dollars every 24 hours when we opened back in 92. I, did, I handled 9-11. I handled hurricanes. I've had, I, you know, I said, I'm a tough guy because I grew up in this dysfunction. You just, I was tough. Nothing could bother me. What do you think happened to me going through this? I ended up with anxiety and depression. 65. I've never been depressed a day in my life. I didn't even know what it was. Went to see a psychiatrist, same thing. He talked to me for an hour and he said, Lee, uh, you're suffering from a situation of depression going through this with your wife so long. I'm going to put you on Cymbalta. You'll probably wake up in eight or nine weeks and be feeling good, which happened. <laughs> and I did feel good when I woke up. And uh, that, after that, and I took the medication for another year and a half because I was terrified of going back to depression, which is, there's people in here that know what I'm talking about. And you've got parents and kids in college and all kinds of people suffering from anxiety and depression. I learned a good lesson because I used to think, what's wrong with these people that are depressed? Why don't they get their act together? What's their problem? I thought it was like an attitude. Boy, did I get slapped upside the head. It was tough. One of the toughest things I've ever been through. So when it was all over, I said to Priscilla, I said, Priscilla, you know, I'm glad this is over because I used to worry. I thought you were going to die and I was wondering who's going to take care of me. She said, you wouldn't have had to worry. I was going to kill you. <laughs> I was going to take you with me because you made me drink that stuff and you made me walk and you wouldn't let me stay in bed. And now today, she says, I saved her life. But it was stressful. It was tough. So when I wrote the book, The Customer Rules, I asked my granddaughter, Margo. I said, Margo? I'm right. She was 12. I said, what's the most important rule in customer service? And she looked at me and said, Pappy, the first rule is be nice. And that's something you all can do. We can all be nicer. It doesn't cost anything. Your finance people won't complain that they have to pay for anything. I turned to Tristan, my little grandson, he was 10. I said, Tristan, you want to be in the book? He said, yes, sir, Pappy. I said, well, you better give me a good quote. What does service mean to you? He said, Pappy, when you serve, you're always the giving one. He got a whole chapter. <laughs> and my oldest grandson, who's studying medicine now, biomedical engineering, said, Pappy, I'll give you one. Remember, your tongue is the strongest muscle in your body. Be careful how you use it so you don't hurt people every day. We all could take that one. And I guess the biggest payoff I got was my son came to me. He was 39. He helped me take care of his mother. He took her to the bathroom, helped her give showers. I couldn't do that with my mother. I didn't have that relationship with her. And uh, he came to me and he said, Dad, I want to tell you something. You left a legacy in our family. We were watching. That's what I never realized. We were watching how you took care of Mom. And we've learned from that. And my grandson went into medicine because he loved all those devices that were plugged into my wife. He used to come over to see them. He was, just thought they were great. And uh, he now is uh, specializing in uh, pump development, pump, uh, medical pumps for different kinds of things. And so you never know what's going to turn them another way. But I think my son saying that, I thought about that a lot. 
And uh, who leaves a legacy in our society, our military people, when you think about it? They're committed. They leave a legacy. Teachers, parents that go all the way for their children, others, people out there doing good work for nonprofits, leaving a legacy. And you've got to remember in your life, you'll leave a job someday, you'll leave a career, you'll leave a company, or you'll leave a legacy. And it's all about what you want to do, because I will tell you the most satisfaction you will ever get is when somebody calls you 10 years later and says, thanks for what you did back then. And they never forget it. When you do things for people, they don't forget it. You'll forget it because you do it every day. They won't forget it. And you make a difference in people's lives. And that's the most fun. Took me a long time to learn that. I didn't know that early on. It was all about Lee in the early days. And now I try to rethink that because uh, you'll just be better for it. So thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. You all have a good whatever you're doing next. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this month's message. If you live in the Tulsa area, be sure to join us next month for a free lunch and another great speaker. We meet on the second Monday of every month at Tiamos at 61st and Sheridan at 11.40 a.m. For more information about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, visit www.ybtok.com. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, we are building leaders for a lifetime.